Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. So glad that you're tuning in to another edition of Stand Strong in the Word. Man, I'm so blessed each week to be delivering this podcast to you. No, no matter where you're at, how you're listening to this podcast, what you're up to, I just know that you and I look forward to a time that we can be enriched in God's Word as we're going through a chronological teaching of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. So hopefully this has been a huge blessing to you. Today, we're going to be looking at an entire chapter of Matthew chapter 10. Now, to bring you up to speed on last podcast, podcast 51. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out, standstrongministries.org. Find us on iTunes. Find us on SoundCloud. We're also going to be on Google Play coming out and a few other platforms. So we're excited about that to reach more people as we're spreading the love of Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel, teaching people how to study the Bible, how to fall in love with the Bible, and to make better sense of the Gospels as we're looking through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in in, uh, the podcast last week, we really explored and looked at this aspect of learning how to love like Jesus. Now, just to bring up to speed, remember, Jesus returned back to Capernaum. And when he was coming back, he had just healed a woman with a blood issue, and then he Meanwhile, was interrupted, you know, by that woman because he was off to go heal Jairus's twelve-year-old daughter, who on the way dies. Now, at this stage of where we're at in the Gospels, Jesus is in his third Galilean tour. So, again, if you're whether you're doing eighty twenty-eight or eighty thirty-one, this is roughly within the time frame. So, this is the first year of Jesus's ministry. Well, then two blind men came to Jesus. And he heals them. And then a man comes who is mute, and Jesus casts out the demon, and he heals that man who was oppressed by a demon. And then Jesus goes back to his hometown, which once again, sadly, as he was in there in the synagogue teaching, they kick him out. They don't want him there to be uh, around the people. So then he leaves, and that's when we're told in Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 35, that he goes throughout all the cities in the villages, and he was teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So now we turn to Matthew chapter 10 on today's podcast. You can also cross-reference this in Mark chapter 6, 7 through 13, in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. So just listen along as I read this entire chapter. And as always, I'll jump in afterwards and offer some commentary to help bring some perspective and interpret some of the passage at hand. So here we go. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. 
You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I'm sending you as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Be aware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them in the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver over brother to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but not kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward.
When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went out from there to teach and preach their cities. Okay, so there you have it. That's Matthew chapter 10. So let's break down a few uh, portions of this passage together so we can get a better understanding of what is going on here because there's so many important things here that I don't want you and I to miss. The first thing is when you go back Notice that Jesus calls the 12 disciples and he gives them, we're told, in verses 1 through 4, authority over what? Over unclean spirits. He gives them authority to cast them out. He gives them authority to heal every disease and every affliction. And so the 12 are listed here. And what's important is that these 12 men were very diverse. So we've gotten to know these men as time goes on in the ministry you can go back in Mark 3, 16 through 19, when Jesus calls them in Luke 6, 13 through 16. They're also mentioned in Acts chapter 1, verse 13. So here in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is commissioning for the first time his disciples to be agents of repentance. Now remember, John the Baptist came on the scene calling people to repentance for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He was baptizing people. Jesus is sending his disciples now to continue that ministry now notice here, though, we're told that he restricts them only to stick within the region of Galilee. So we'll explain that a little bit further. Now, one of the commentaries was kind of breaking it down to kind of give us an understanding of the layout of the disciples and little description. Let me just read that real quickly. It says, each time the 12 apostles are listed, Peter is mentioned first because of his prominence and Judas last, obviously, because of his betrayal. Jesus had changed Simon's name to Peter in John 1.42. And soon after, the brothers of Peter and Andrew followed Jesus. Another set of brothers, James and John, did the same. You can see that in Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was, was uh, from Bethsaida by the Sea of Galilee in John 1, 44. Now, nothing is known about Bartholomew except that he was possibly known as Nathaniel in John 1, 45 through 51. Thomas was called Didymus, which means twin, in John eleven sixteen, and he was the one, if you remember, questioned Jesus' resurrection in John 20, 24 through 27. Now, Matthew referred to himself by his former dubious occupation of tax collecting, whereas Mark and Luke simply listed him as Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus, is mentioned only in the list of apostles. Thaddeus may be the same as Judas, who's the son of James in Luke 6, 16, Acts 1, 13. Simon the Zealot had been a member of the revolutionary Jewish Zealots, a political party that sought to overthrow the Roman Empire. And Judas Iscariot, of course, later betrayed the Lord in Matthew 26, 47 through 50. Now, the term Iscariot may mean from Keroth, a Judean town, end quote. Okay, so that was a lot there in the commentary, but it's a great way. I wanted to put that in there because it kind of really gives us an understanding of these disciples. And again, very diverse group of people. So now all the disciples, here's what's cool except obviously Judas Iscariot, they all had a responsibility later to be a part of the final judgment that's, that's to come according to Matthew 19, 28. And if you recall in Ephesians 2, 20, we're told that the church is established on apostolic doctrine. And we know that these men that are mentioned here in Matthew 10, that God is, that, you know, Jesus is sending out in his authority they will have a lasting legacy in the kingdom of God according to Revelation 21.14. So it's just incredible the calling that God puts on these, these disciples and later what their lives would become for the kingdom of God. Now notice here in verse 6, though, Jesus says, 
that you're to go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so prior to calling his disciples and sending them out, remember Jesus had just left Capernaum, as I was mentioning earlier, and he was going throughout all the cities. And remember when he saw the crowds in Matthew 9, 36 through 38, what happened? He had compassion, we're told, for them. Why? Because Jesus saw the crowd that they were harassed and helpless, and they were sheep without a shepherd. So then he says to his disciples, when he sees the condition of the people and his heart's breaking for them, he tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out, to send out laborers into the harvest. But see, the great thing is Jesus doesn't just have compassion. He does something about it. He responds in this compassion over Israel by sending out his disciples. See, his disciples are the laborers. They don't just have a theory about it. They don't just talk about it in like in a think tank setting. They go out and they do something. They do the actual ministry that needs to be done. They go meet the needs. So that phrase to the Jews first, again, this is a pattern that came through the ministry of, Je of Jesus. Why? Because salvation is of the Jews, he said in John 4, 22. This concept that he said about them to go to the lost sheep is used repeatedly throughout the Old Testament in reference to Israel. We see this in Isaiah 53. We see this in Jeremiah 50. We see this in Ezekiel 34. So Jesus continues on that saying, this is how we're going to continue to minister to the Jewish people. So he says in verses seven through eight, that they're to go out and to, to proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand. That was something that John the Baptist was preaching for many years. Many years. He says to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. He says, you receive without paying, give without pay. So what is he saying here? Well, carry on the ministry that you saw John the Baptist do in Matthew 3.17, that you saw me do in Matthew 4.17. And that was customary. It was customary for rabbis to start calling their students, to start calling their disciples to do the things that they've witnessed that their own rabbi, their own master did. This phrase, give without pay, just literally means the position of authority that Jesus was that Jesus gave them was not to be taken advantage of for greed. So what that saying is, if your rabbi was not charging you, was not taking advantage of your situation, don't take advantage of the situation that was given to you for profit. So this concept now here in verse 9 that he that Jesus tells disciples, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, what that implies is that you're not to go off with a pouch and, and to fill it with money. So belts were often used for that that very purpose because you take the belt and you would tie a pouch and you'd keep it there in your garments and hidden so you can stuff your money. So Jesus didn't want the disciples to rely on resources. He didn't, he didn't send them out to start establishing a franchise, if you will, or an enterprise. They were sent to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And anything that were to interfere with that would be considered worldly. So they were not for profit physically or materially, but spiritual advancement. So the limitations dictated by Jesus was also a way to teach the apostles, just like the prophets in times of great persecution, how to survive on very little. I got to say something real quickly before we move on. I believe that a lot of our churches in America, they can learn a thing or two in this passage. I believe, my friend, that there are so many churches out there that are so wealthy that it's become an idolatry to them. The building, the, the customary things, their tradition, whatever it is. And it's despicable, to be honest. It's so sad. And it's amazing here how very little Jesus sent his disciples with 
but they had all they needed. They had the love, the commandment, and the authority of Jesus. Now in verse 16, it says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's a very popular phrase that is that we oftentimes hear in many you know walks of life within the church. So let's explain you know what this means. So here, and again, in context, remember Jesus was just explaining to his disciples: don't rely on money, don't be looking for money, but rather you are to be looking for ferocious wolves. You're to be sensitive to that. How so? Well, he says you're to be wise as a serpent. You're to be innocent as a dove. So what does that mean? Well, again, disciples were to have faith in the power and authority of what Jesus had called them to do, that Jesus would protect them. This wise as serpents, in ancient times, serpents was used as a symbol of wisdom. We see that in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Genesis chapter 3. So this term wise literally just means to be sensible, to think rationally through a problem. And then when you look at the innocent as doves phrase, that's to be harmless or innocent or guileless. So here's the point. Jesus was saying that this is your strategy, you guys. You're to be very smart. You're not to be dumb, not to be an idiot, but you're also to be innocent, meaning don't go about attacking people because if you do attack, if you do look to accuse, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to get into a lot of trouble. And and what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, and it's a lesson for all of us each and every day of our lives, is we need to live life like a serpent. We need to go out there to protect people from harm. And we need to possess the ability, my friends, to negotiate peace. Here's the bottom line. Here's how I take this wise as serpents and innocent as doves. is like this. Christians are to be tough-minded, okay? But at the same time, as we're to be tough-minded, wise as serpents, we're to be tender-hearted because we are sheep among wolves. So remember that, tough-hearted and tender-hearted. Then he says in verse 17 through 18, that to beware of men, because people are going to come out there flogging them and throwing them in prison. So Jesus, what he's now telling his disciples is, look at you guys are going to start facing greater persecution. They certainly did when you and I look throughout the book of Acts, Acts 4, Acts 12, Acts 14. So this probably terrified the disciples when they heard Jesus say this about governments and kings you know, going after them, especially, of course, when they thought that they were going to go establish his kingdom on earth. But then Jesus says, look, it's not going to be that simple. It's not going to be that easy. So again, be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. But he tells them that you will be delivered over. So don't be anxious about what you're to say because the spirit of your father will speak through you. So what's interesting is that in the first century, a person who was called uh, before the governing factions of the day, what they would oftentimes do is they would hire a professional orator to speak on their behalf. So in essence, what Jesus is telling his disciples is, listen, when you go out, with very little, little, but you'll have my protection. You'll, you're going in my authority. You're not to worry about what you're to say because it's going to be the Lord, I, in the Lord Jesus saying, who's, who's sending you. And it's going to be through the spirit of God that will speak through you and give you the words you need to say. I cannot tell you, and I'm sure you can relate to this and you probably experienced this in your life at times when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and God just moves and you're recalling things and you're telling people things and it speaks to their heart, and you're thinking, what on earth was that all about? It's just the love of God taking over, and you just, you're just planted, and you're trusting the Lord, and that's what Jesus is telling disciples to do. And then he tells them this, okay, look, governing factions are going to go against you, entities are going uh, to try you and throw you in prison, but not only that, but guess what? 
brothers, your own family, a father betraying his child, a child rising up against his parents. Jesus says, they're going to hate you because they hated me. Jesus is telling his disciples that persecution is going to grow, even to the point of family members betraying one another. And you know, I don't know your story, uh, whoever's listening to, to this podcast right now, but I can imagine that the audience that we have listening, that a lot of you out there have gone through this type of persecution, that you have uh, been rejected by your family, made fun of by your family. I've talked to people in ministry through the years that have told me that uh, even their family members threatened to kill them if they didn't convert back to whatever religion because they're a Christian now. But this concept in the midst of all this stuff is Jesus talking about betrayal, beware of men, beware of these wolves, do not be anxious about what you're to say, brother's going to deliver against brother, father's child, child's parents, all this stuff. And yet in the midst of all this, Jesus says, endure to the end. This means, my friend, that we are to deal with these things patiently without breaking down. We are to weather the storms of persecution. And as I'm saying that right now, I cannot tell you how it just breaks my heart to see as I read uh, magazines and stories coming from Voice of the Martyrs and other organizations that are around the world in the uh, just in the 1040 window trying to spread the gospel and try to relieve people of starvation and free them from prison and get them out of uh, places where um, ISIS and other uh, despicable, evil, uh, violent groups are destroying churches and killing innocent lives. But you know what? In the midst of this persecution, the gospel is spreading. You just see these warm-hearted individuals, these Christians who just feel the presence of God. And so we are told in Scripture to endure. So even though I... I can't honestly say that I've been truly persecuted in major ways like that with my faith, but I do know that from time to time as Christians, the longer that we live on this earth and we're living for the Lord, we will face some opposition. There's no question, not just directly from Satan in the spiritual realm sense, but him moving and using certain entities, whether it be prosecution, whether it be losing your job over it or, or whatever the case may be in a relationship. But notice that Jesus says in verse 23, he says, when they persecute you in one town, you're to flee to the next. And he says that, um, for, uh, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, what Jesus is saying here is that the church is going to be doing incredible things before he returns. That's pretty much what I think that he's re referencing here in verse 23. Other commentaries think that he's talking about something immediate uh, or um, later in the future of the church before Christ returns, which I tend to think that that's what he's saying there, but it's just a, a reminder that God brings hope in the midst of this type of discouragement that, look, things are going to be hard, but don't give up because guess what? The church is never going to end. It's not going to be destroyed. Satan's not going to win. We will win in the end. And then in verse 24 through 25, a disciple, he says, is not above his teacher. So then Jesus starts explaining to them about a relationship that, again, the disciple has with her, with their master. So what Jesus is saying here is, look, as you guys go, you're to follow my footsteps and my footsteps. I am the example. I am the standard. You as my disciples are to carry out the message that I've given you. You're to carry on the legacy. And you, you know, it's amazing right now as we're reading this, Matthew 10, they're not apostles yet. They haven't established the church through the power of the Holy Spirit, but they will one day. 
And when you and I fast forward to Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 through 30, listen to the words of Paul the Apostle when he says, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Throughout the entire ministry of Paul, what happened to him, my friends? He suffered. He suffered, and eventually he was beheaded, and he never quit. In Acts 5, verse 41, it says, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Isn't that amazing? They were honored that they were persecuted for the name of Jesus. And then we're told in verse 27 through 28 that we're not to fear these people, that whatever has been covered in the dark, we're to reveal it in the light. In essence, what Jesus was saying and giving, again, promises, bringing hope is protection. I will be there for you guys. It may be hard at times, but I will be there for you. And not only that, but the honorable actions of Jesus' disciples would not go unknown. The gospel message will spread all over the world. That's what Jesus is saying. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. So just remember that, my friends. Don't be discouraged. Don't let fear, don't let a sense of hopelessness consume you to the point where you give up. The Bible tells us here, Jesus says in verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body or who can kill the body, but cannot, but, but cannot kill the soul. So Jesus is saying this, as frightful as, uh, as this may sound, you know, somebody taking your life, he tells his disciples that you're to fear God even more. And I, I got to tell you, my friends, as I, as I read that passage or this passage right here, and I read that verse, that particular verse, it does always remind me that I need to fear God who's an all-consuming fire more than my reputation or what may, you know, what, you know, the fear of losing my, you know, some respect or my reputation, whatever, or even in the cases that we've mentioned before, the persecuted church of, of people losing their lives as a result. But once again, Jesus reminds the disciples as reminded today, you're more valuable than anything in the world. He says in verses 29 through 31, even the hairs of your head are numbered by him. That's how intimate God is in your life. Now, this was this is what's cool, that what Jesus was saying to them when he was comparing them to a sparrow uh, was a common rabbinical teaching. It's the lesser to greater analogies that oftentimes uh, rabbis would give. And the purpose is to emphasize, again, that mankind, you're of greater, greater value than anything. So just be reminded of that. And then he says, look, if you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. If you confess me, I'll confess you. But if you deny me, I'll deny you before my father. Now, the thing here that's important for us to understand is that open confession of Christ as Savior is not that in and of itself that saves you, but it is the natural result of salvation. What has saved us, what saves us, I should say, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we openly confess that in faith according to Romans 10, 9, and 10 and 2 Timothy 2, 12. So that's important. Now, in, this, in the end of all this, even though people will have a choice, and still today we have a choice, do you want to honor God or do you want to deny Him? In verse 38, you want to take up your cross and follow Him or you don't. If you do, you're worthy of Christ. If you don't take up your cross and deny yourself every day, you're not worthy of Christ. My friend, as I conclude this podcast, as we go through Christ sending out the disciples because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That is still true to this day. And you got to ask yourself, do you want to lose your life 
to gain it? Or do you want to gain everything in the world and lose your soul? You and I need to give up our life because Christ gave up his for us. He gave his life for you and he gave his life for me so that you and I can have all, we can have eternity. We can spend eternity with him. That's eternal life, my friends, is to be in the presence of the Lord and to know him as he wants to be known. So as we conclude, my friends, make sure that you're living for Christ. Make sure that you and I are not wasting our lives, but every single day we deny ourselves. We don't fear uh, things of the world, but we fear the Lord and we want to be obedient and say, Lord, here's my life. Use me this day. So I, I pray that this has been a blessing to you, my friends. As always, check out our website, standstrongministries.org. If you have a question or a comment or you want to submit your prayer request, info at standstrongministries.org. Love to hear from you. And until then, I will see you on the next podcast. God bless you. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.